This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Luther. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, unlike those other talk show hosts that want to charge you for accessing their websites. We give ours away, so enjoy over at freetalklive.com. One of the uh, main features of the site actually allows you to influence the stuff we'll talk about on the air by submitting uh, submitting show prep suggestions to Free Talk Live. You go, maybe you see something online that you think is particularly interesting, and you put it up on our website, and then other listeners will get the opportunity to vote as to whether they like or dislike and then the ones that uh, are most liked will make it to the front page and the top of our website, meaning we're more likely to see them and talk about them here on the air. 800-259-9231. However, that's the number you need to literally take control of the airwaves. I mean, the, the website's good because it influences what we talk about. But if you want to actually directly uh, control the topic, you may call in at any time. So, uh, again, 800-259-9231. Mark, uh, you had a story last night that we never had a chance to get to. I don't think we mentioned it on the air, but you told me something about it off the air. It sounded particularly interesting. Oh, it's exciting. Um, what is it? This is from the, the BBC. The French Parliament has approved a law that makes psychological violence a criminal offense. This means the couples who insult each other repeatedly could now be charged and face up to three years in prison. Now, it's the stated intent of this law is to decrease violence on women. But couples that insult each other could face prison time. By couples, do they mean the guy is going to go to prison? Uh, a couple sounds like two people. It would be two yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, well, I mean, you couldn't say that on the face, right? Like, this is a law to go after guys. Well, no. Well, what makes you believe that uh, it's. Because the stated intent of the law is to decrease violence on women. Oh, on women. I see. I, I'm sorry, I missed that point. Okay. The, the law is a part of a number of measures aimed to protect. What about decreasing violence against men? Um, well, not too concerned about that. Apparently, they say it's it's to protect victims of domestic abuse, and probably most victims um, that that go for help on domestic abuse are women, right? That's a true statement. That most of the victims that go for help are women, but as far as it's my understanding that the uh, the majority of victims of domestic violence are actually men. Yeah, but I don't it just know. It's widely unreported. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I you know how how are you going to make that statement? Is is you know if it's unreported, how do you make the statement? I I, I don't know where that information comes from, but it's my understanding <laughs> that uh, that that is absolutely the case. That there are there's a very high likelihood that in a domestically violent situation, it's actually the woman who is uh, who is being the violent one. A lot of times when the cops will come out to a house for a domestic violence call. Uh, in some cases, the, the man just does not want to press charges or do anything like that, even though he may have been the one uh, that was being abused. Well, in many places, uh, um, if they get the if, call in the first if place. they get a call, they have to take somebody to jail. So I, I suspect mostly it's guys that are end up end up going to jail, too. Right. I suspect you're right about that, even in a situation where the woman is being violent. I, I, I think that's probably the case. That yeah, the, I, the man just, will go to jail when it comes to these domestic violence laws. It always I'm I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It's just uh, that that women get hurt, women get killed, and all these other things. But I, I guess I take this, um, you know, the 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 sort of conservative nobody's a victim approach on this one. I, I nobody's you know, a victim. What do you mean? Well, if somebody's getting beaten, then there's there's a victim there. Are you talking about just how many times have they gotten beaten? 
Well, I, I think anytime did he, they're beaten. Did, he, did, it, did the guy just start out by whooping her butt one day? Just just broke her jaw one day? No, I probably gave her a warning first. Probably several. <laughs> and then, like, smacked her. And then hit her. And then, you know, did, like, things progressively, you know? No, I see what you're saying. If uh, if somebody is staying, whoever it is, woman or man, are staying in a violent relationship, then clearly that is a choice they've made. Uh, but that's not to excuse the violence in the first place. I don't think that it's. I don't think the violence is okay. But if you stayed in a relationship where violence is going on, should I be obligated to pay an organization that goes out to your house in order to drag you two apart on a pretty regular basis? No, of course not. Yeah, I mean that's that's what's crazy to me. Look, people that the people that have uh, you know violence going on in their homes, I can understand three instances. You know. I can kind of get that. But when you're talking about three dozen instances, mm-hmm. hey, lady, he's not shaping up. He's, he likes to smack you when you come out of your mouth wrong. Like that, That's what he does. And maybe you like it, too. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a tough situation, I think, uh, to, to deal with. I don't know if, anybody of the, if, if any of those people really like uh, being abused, but maybe they just feel Are helpless. Are they being abused, though? Maybe, maybe they just feel helpless uh, and that they, you know, that they can't escape. Perhaps they're frightened of uh, you know, potential consequences. I've heard all this stuff. I guess I, just, I guess I just don't understand it. No, but maybe if you understand, you can help. Uh, you can help out with this discussion at one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I, I, you know, it seems like easy for us to say. Well, if you're getting abused, you should just leave. But there, there's, but of course, this more isn't what the, uh, the the French law is talking about. The French law isn't talking about actual violence. No, it's talking about mental violence. Yeah, I know. I want to get back into that. You chowder head. <laughs> right. Right. No, Repeated no. acts, which could be construed by words or other machinations to degrade one's quality of life hmm. and cause a change to one's mental or physical state. So this is essentially the um, the equivalent of saying to your spouse, "You're ugly, stupid, and nobody wants you" on a pretty regular basis. And that would violate this absolutely psychological would... violence law is what what they're calling. Well, it. what is psychological violence except some made up term? It there's violence and, stones. and then there's things right. that that occur psychologically, but they don't never the twain yeah. they meet. You know. Well, this is legalese, Mark, so uh, they can redefine sure. uh, the words to mean whatever they want. They could they could call it anything they wanted to, but they've decided to call it psychological violence. But I mean, we can talk a little bit more about what's what's going on there. Uh, you said this is in France where they're proposing yeah, France. those damn frogs. <laughs> but I think that the issue of actual violence is it's an interesting one. Uh, I mean, and I would love to hear from people who've been in a situation like this. Maybe somebody who has uh, successfully escaped one of these violent uh, at-home situations. Was it as easy as just walking away? Or well, I'm sure is there a lot a, of a financial well, issue? But they do have. They do have homes for these kind of situations, A lot right? of times, isn't it sort of a cycle that they get into uh, from a young age, usually, maybe from an abusive uh, childhood, abusive home that they lived in, and it, it's sort of a feeling of guilt that they have, like, oh, I deserve this, I did wrong, you mm-hmm. know, if I if I hadn't, you know, made him angry, him or her angry, then they wouldn't, wouldn't have... hit me. Right. Yeah. That so sort there's, of thing. there's a lot of uh, craziness that I think uh, oh, yeah. is associated with this here, and I mean, it's easy for us to just say, well, just leave, but... Maybe it's not as easy for them to just leave as we might want it to well, be. Well, what, what could hold them back, I guess, is what my question Fear? is. Fear? Fear of what? Uh, maybe some sort of retaliation on that the man's part? Hunt, that he or she yeah. is going to hunt them down? That's a realistic fear, don't you think? I mean, last night we had a guy call in Isn't the show. is just as realistic? That if you're scared that the person that you're living with is going to hunt you down and kill you because you left, then you ought to be equally as scared that they're going to kill you if because you stay. you're staying. I, no, I, mean, I understand. The logic makes... Look, you're being very <laughs> logical, right? And you're absolutely right. 
as far as I'm concerned, but I logic mean, may not be applying in an emotional circumstance such as what we're discussing. Do you see oh, how that could be the case? My my children's father is somebody that I'm convinced is likely to be guilty of murder on a short-term basis here. Mm-hmm. I should stay with him. It's crazy. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Right. It's crazy talk. But I just, I, what am I supposed to do when crazy people get together and have a relationship and beat each other up let and it hump be, man. and have children? I mean, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. You with do nothing. That you just it actually, it. it came to that extreme end with someone I know. Actually, um, my, I worked for this guy for many years at a restaurant in Florida, and his daughter was married to this this real a hole. Um, and one night, you know, they had been separated for some time. I, I think they might have even gotten divorced. One night, he came over. They were fighting in the basement. And he would pop out of the basement every now and then. In until, Florida? Uh, they lived in Connecticut. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I worked for the guy in Florida, but his children lived in Connecticut. Anyway, in the basement. They yeah, were he would pop out of the basement every now and then and tell the kids, oh, don't worry, you know, don't worry, just stay up here. Mommy and I are, are dealing with this. And it turned out he was down there stabbing her and he murdered oh her that night. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, you're right, Mark. I mean, if you leave a situation like that, it would seem that your odds might be increased to being safe. But that doesn't that that doesn't dispel. I don't think the fear, the emotional fear that somebody in that in that kind of a uh, situation might be dealing with. Would love to hear from you at 800-259-9231. How familiar are you with situations like this? Have you ever been involved in one yourself? Have you ever helped someone else escape one? What was that like? Did the other person come after them later on down the line? Uh, tell your story. 800-259-9231. We're coming up. Psychological violence. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zimpax, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial in toll-free. Take control of the airwaves at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where you'll find a lot of features, and you'll also find that they're free, like our Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send in their validated photo or video to show they are indeed listeners of this program. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see it for yourself. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Get your liberty message out to thousands of people a month for fractions of a penny apiece. Do it from the back of your car with libertystickers.com. They have hundreds and hundreds of different liberty sayings. They're adding new ones all the time. You can check them out. Let your voice be heard. LibertyStickers.com. I have the uh, the stickers on the back of my car are from there, too. And I think it, uh, I think they've got some very clever and uh, great sayings. LibertyStickers.com. All right. So according to OregonCounseling.org, domestic violence against men, the uh, estimates are here that in 100 domestic violence situations, approximately 40 cases involve violence by women against men. And that it's very difficult to get information about domestic violence against men because... Well, they just don't report on it. Uh, in fact, they say here that it's it's been pretty difficult to get women to report uh, domestic violence. 
and that there's a big campaign on to get women to you know report these incidents. I wouldn't report it. You would not? or Absolutely not. You would not? Re- okay. I, Who am I so, going to report it to? The cops? They're going to solve the problem? No, okay. I, don't I mean, the only person help. that can solve this problem is you is you and your spouse or your significant other, right? I, I got to agree with Mark on this one. I mean, it's really, it's, a, it's really about the two people, though. As an outsider, I would feel compelled to want to step in and try to do what I could about it in a very... Like, I wouldn't want to be bossy about it. I wouldn't be like, you have to leave him or else, you know, our friendship is over or anything like that. Or mm-hmm. you have to leave him. It's for your own good. I would try to just, you know, really nudge them out of such a nasty situation. Well, maybe reporting doesn't necessarily have to uh, be the cops. Maybe Who are you going to report it to your friends? How about you tell your friends? Your friends that- don't have a computer dat- database that keeps domestic violence cases on file. Yeah, I see where you're, I see where you're coming from. So Mark. reporting to your friends is of no 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 use at all. Well, what I'm telling you is that people don't talk to people about this. That's that's the mes- message I'm trying to get across is okay. that they they uh, they keep it quiet. They keep this to themselves, and that's kind of sad. Well, I don't. Well, why is it sad? Because people are just allowing themselves to be abused by whom? Their significant other. You don't necessarily have to allow yourself to be abused to to not to report something. I said I wouldn't report it. That doesn't mean I'm going to stay. I mean, I, my wife, and right. uh, you know, if, if a woman decides, and it wouldn't sure, be sure. my wife because she certainly wouldn't do this, but if a woman decides to hit me, I might give her one chance, maybe two. But after, you know, the mm-hmm. second time or the third time, I mean, obviously we're talking about a, if, if it's spanning decades here, maybe we can talk about a third time. But, uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm going to say, look, you, you know, see ya. Because that's not right. the way well, to solve problems. That. Adults don't do that. Yeah. You're not going to tolerate that, and that's good. I. I don't think you should. So I don't, I don't see think... any reason to tell friends. I mean, so I'm supposed well, to run out, well, run wait around. A minute. How after are you this... supposed to get help if you don't tell somebody that there's a problem? Well, what do I need help for? Maybe you need somewhere to stay. Like, ask a friend to stay. But you wouldn't tell them why. Yeah, maybe I would. Maybe I wouldn't. We're, I'm not. Well, that's along just with it. Maybe wife. I wouldn't. I mean, you've got You're... somebody beating you at home, and you won't tell anybody about it. I think that's what the issue is here: is that people keep the stuff to themselves, and so you don't really know how much domestic abuse there is out there between men and women. And why do I need to know that? Why does who need to know that? I'm telling you that this is a problem that exists between two people. Right. I've and got I'm problems you with you. Do you want me to tell everybody that what our problems are all the tell time? About them, you tell them on the air all the time, sure. So, uh, yeah, I think that when you talk to people, you can they can understand your situation. They can offer help. They can offer assistance. They can offer advice. Perhaps they've been in that situation. What good does keeping all that inside do you? What good does telling somebody do me? I think I just explained it. They can offer you assistance. They can offer you help. I don't can... need advice. I know that women that hit me, I'm not going to be in a relationship with. Okay, thanks, Mark. I'm glad you don't need advice, but maybe could you imagine there might be somebody out there who's not sure what to do, who's confused, who's a, you know, in, a, in a difficult, feels like they're in a difficult You're situation. You're suggesting that all these things need to be reported, and I'm saying that it doesn't need to be. I didn't say anything needed to be reported. I told you that the reason I'm, I'm talking about this is because people don't bring it up. Now, I don't mean you have to go to the cops. I'm saying that people aren't talking about it, period, a lot of them. It's, they're just, the abuse is just happening. Don't you think that's sad? I, I, I see a problem that needs to be solved. If you solve it, I don't see any reason to talk about it. Wow. Okay. I just maybe I'm just not connecting here uh, and, and explaining myself uh, fully. It, don't, don't you here's, think there's something? Here's what needs to be talked about. Sad about that. If Mark? somebody's hitting you, you don't live with them. People yeah. that hit you are bad. You don't be around them. That's the way it goes. Right. People that that hit other people don't know how to solve their problems, and they need to figure out how to solve their problems. So you need to give them some room to do that. That's all that needs to be talked about. 
1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, I just, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion that communication helps uh, situations and that when uh, you've got a, a difficult situation you're dealing with, telling a friend isn't a bad idea. I don't think True. it's terrible. There are other ways to to cry for help rather than just coming out and saying it. And communication isn't necessarily always, well, certain types of communication aren't necessarily always the best uh, way to deal with that. I mean, certainly sometimes if you try to force your way into a situation like that, they might pull back and, you know, stay with the uh, the abusive party. No, no, I'm talking about from the abused person's perspective. I mean, obviously, if that person doesn't tell anyone what's going on, then you as a friend aren't going to have any right. idea. I mean, unless well, all of a sudden you well, notice like black eyes. Well, like I said, there are, there are like other that. ways. Yeah, exactly. To notice. There are other ways to communicate that. I mean, certainly. What if the advice that you get from your very concerned friends uh, revolves around staying rather than going? Uh, well, clearly, people could give bad advice, obviously, yeah. Mark. But- I mean, I've, I've, I've found... I think that advice helps, though. When you get advice from different people, you can analyze who's saying what and what it means and what their perspective is. And rather than just having your own thoughts floating around in your mind, you can get other people uh, and uh, get them in on the Yeah, I guess from, from an, if you were an outsider, like a friend looking in on that type of, kind of situation, uh, being available, making yourself uh, available, letting them know that they always had a place to crash if need be, mm-hmm. uh, would be a good thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. 1-800-259-9231. Would love your thoughts, especially if you've had to deal with a situation involving uh, domestic abuse. Uh, so, Mark, what else do you want to tell me about this? Is there a more to this French story where it they're, goes on, they're yes. going to be banning uh, what they call psychological violence? So we're not even really talking about violence. We're just talking about you know name-calling and uh, being mean verbally. The law defines mental violence as repeated acts, which could be construed by words or other machinations, to degrade one's quality of life and cause a change to one's mental or physical state. We have introduced an important measure here, which recognizes psychological violence, because it isn't just blows that hurt, but also words. Nadine <laughs> uh, Morano, the Minister of Family Affairs, told the lower house of Parliament. He would say that. I think that's a that woman. That big nose. Oh, Maybe. she would say that, that big nose. <laughs> Those found uh, guilty of breaking the new law will face up to three years in jail. Jeez. And a 75,000 euro fine. Hmm. The judge, Which will go to the government, of course. Right, because right. the government has something to do with this. The judge could also <laughs> take into consideration letters, texts, repeated, 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 repetitive messages, because one knows that psychological violence is made up of insults, says Ms. Morano. Some critics of the law, new bill say that the crime may be difficult to prove. They also criticize the government for getting involved in private matters like arguments and fights between married and cohabitating people. Difficult to prove, huh? No, I, I meant it endearingly when I called her a little fatty. <laughs> There's more coming up here at 800-259-9231. And this really shows, this story really shows how micromanaging the government people are becoming in people's private lives. You can't even have a, a fight with name calling. Not that I support that stuff, but geez. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Carnation Evaporated Milk, the cooking milk that makes life richer. For rich and creamy recipes, visit us at thecookingmilk.com. We all have our roster of recipes, but eating the same dishes over and over becomes boring. Instead of throwing them out and starting from scratch, play with different ingredients to give new flavor to old standards. Try Thai spices instead of your usual Italian seasonings. That just might do the trick. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. Talk 
live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. It's 1-800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian. And Luther. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Enjoy the stuff that we give you there. It's all free, including listening options, live streams, broadband, and dial-up versions, plus our webcam listen lines that allow you to call in and listen around the clock from any phone, anywhere, 24-7. You can get Free Talk Live in various different ways, all free at listen.freetalklive.com, listen.freetalklive.com. Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's what the readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided the detailed real news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship that we have with coercive governments. Freedomsphoenix.com offers up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police, police state and the police state. Go now to freedomsphoenix.com and sign up for the free daily dispatch. As a matter of fact, that's how I got the story that we're reading right now, freedomsphoenix.com. All right, we continue here. We're going to take your phone calls about what you want, starting out with Nick in California. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Luther and Mark. Nick in California, going once. Nick in California, going twice. All right, let's try Scott in Minnesota on the amp lines. Hello, Scott. Hey. Um, uh, I don't think most people got the message I was trying to get across with my soapbox idol rant. Oh, is this uh, is this the guy that uh, that dropped his pants on stage? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Oh, I didn't see that, but kudos. Yeah. What what message were you trying to get get across by dropping your pants? Well, see, uh, the message was uh, to not focus so much on negative perceptions, and um, I'm guilty of it as well. So I decided to use the um, group photo from the Motorhome Diaries Minneapolis meetup as an example, because in that photo, my underwear was showing, and when I saw that, I got too focused on that and what people would think about, like, me having my underwear showing, like, that drunk guy just can't pull up his pants or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, so... And when you focus on that, you don't really see the rest of the picture. So, you, so what you're saying is you you felt like you were a little too concerned over what people were thinking about you. So, to alleviate that concern or that issue in your own mind, you decided to uh, to drop trow in front of a crowd of people. Well, Am I understanding uh, correctly? <laughs> is that a yes? Is that laughter mean yes? I'm I'm understanding what your your message is because I'm just trying to con- you know get it. <laughs> Well, see, um, well, the dropping of the trial was just shedding the negativity. Sure, sure. Yeah. No, I get it. I, I see is where it, you're coming from. Is I... it possible you just like to drop your trousers in front of people? No, actually, I I didn't really want to get naked, but I didn't. <laughs> I wanted to go all the way with the message. So I, th- I appreciated it. I didn't actually see it in, in person, but somebody came up to the studio after that. At, we're talking about the Pork Fest, the, the Soapbox Idol event that went on. I think it was Saturday night. And uh, when I saw I saw the footage of it, and uh, wow, it was uh, it was shocking and surprising, and uh, right on, man. Sometimes our fears uh, manifest themselves in expositionist uh, behavior, and it it can strengthen us in ways. So, <laughs> very good, Scott. I, I appreciate the uh, the call here. Anything else you want to share? I guess not. Thanks for the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one to Mama Alley in Georgia. Mama Alley, uh, were you there when uh, Scott dropped his pants at the uh, soapbox out? Al- uh, 
I was not, baby. I missed pretty much everything being in the kitchen. I heard about it, though. And, you know, kudos to the kid for being brave. I got the point. And I wasn't even there. So tell him not to worry about it. Very good. Very good. So uh, what's on your mind tonight? Um, Sweetie, I wanted to talk to you guys about the domestic violence thing that you guys were just talking about. Yeah, please. Um, I personally had extensive experience with that. um, And I would like to tell Mark that he should understand that there are different situations. If you're already married to a man and he changes within that marriage with age, a certain mental illness comes on him, like paranoid schizophrenia, and he changes, are you not... Do you not owe it to him as his wife to stick by him through that change and try and fix it with him? Yeah, I currently good. have been arrested three times for assault and battery because I had blood on me and I would not testify against my husband. Hmm. Okay. They, if I get pulled over to this day with or without the current warrants that I had, I get handcuffed and they always say it's for my safety and yours because now my rap sheet reads assault and battery, assault and battery, assault and battery, assault and battery because I wouldn't press charges. So they would get so, called into a situation, uh, show up, and they have to arrest somebody, so they chose to arrest exactly, you? Exactly. They, they have to arrest everybody that has blood on them. Even though really? it was my own blood, even though it was my own blood, I wow. went to jail, too. Three, not one time, not two times, not three times. We're talking to the tune of $4,500, baby. Did they take a sample they, of it um, and prove so, that it was your blood? Say that again? Did they take a sample of it and prove that it was your blood? Like, is that on record? No, okay. absolutely not. It doesn't have to be if she took I refused a, like, all yeah. medical attention, anything else that was going to charge me money because they were already raping me out the door. Anything that had anything to do with more money, I was trying not to be a part of. I was already going to have to pay to get out of jail for getting my ass whooped. Now, did so, the cops, how did the cops get involved in this situation? Was it one of uh, the two of you that called them or a neighbor? Never, ever, ever, ever do I ever pick up the phone and call the police. It's a neighbor watches you get leveled in your front yard, they get nosy. Mm. So... You know, I, I'm not going to tell anyone how to deal with it. I eventually dealt with it on my own and made the best decision for my family because it never, I know this is hard to believe, but my da- daughter never saw any of that. It was always a car wreck or a fight at work or something else. She never saw me ever get hit. And so once it came to that point, it was easier for me to make a decision for my family because that couldn't be a part of her life. I could make it a part of my life because I had made the choice to be married to that man. I stood by the choice that I made regardless of what he was going through and was a good woman and a good wife to him. But when it came to the point where it was going to affect my daughter and her future, then I had to make a different decision. And I sent him packing his ass right on back to his mama's house. So, but mama, I, 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 um, I, I felt that it, I, I feel it's um, what your, uh, your situation there is, is motivating. Like I hadn't thought about somebody sort of cracking up um, afterwards and, uh, you know, making a good decision initially. And then, you know, mental illness setting in that kind of thing. But if he didn't, choose choose to hit you in front of the daughter then wasn't didn't he have some level of control and if he had some level of control why couldn't he control himself more no it wasn't that he didn't choose to hit me in front of her i said i'm a really good mom (laughs) it wasn't him it was me making sure she wasn't there when i can because i can see it it came to a point where i could see it in him i could see see it coming on you know what i mean and i would remove her from the situation have her go stay the night at a friend's house or you know what have you it came to where I could see it, you know, so I just kept it away from her, you know what I mean? And I, I'm, I'm not going to tell anybody how to deal with it because it, I, I believe that's a personal choice and everybody's going to have to come to a point in their life where they're strong enough. And I think that Ian is right, that some people do need to reach out and they do need friends. I was scared because my friends would have murdered him. They would all be in jail right now if I would have told them what was going on in my life. Mm. And they wouldn't have cared if my daughter was watching or not. They would have come in there and murdered him. 
So I couldn't personally go to my friends either. But I think that some people need that to make that step. So I think Ian's alternative to the police, because let me tell you, the police are never the option. No I don't way, know I what the, all of the options are, but that is not the option, period, at all. They do not care. They do not care about you. They're mm. going to write somebody a ticket, and they're going to get somebody's money before they leave, and they do not care what the situation is. And, and I'm here to tell you that from honest-to-God proof. Check my rap sheet. You yes. know what I mean? And it's not like... They, they don't care. They don't. They can tell you they care. They're telling you, oh, I want to take these pictures because we care. They don't care. All of those pictures are going to be another way to charge someone else money for them to get money. They don't care. Yep. You yep. Know? Um, and, and that's all that is. And I, I want people to understand that I don't know the answer. Having been in the situation myself, I still don't know the answer. I know what it is not. And it is not to call or deal with the police at all in any way, shape, or form, because they're not going to help you. They're not. They don't care about you. All they care about is that money. I appreciate that, And it's that, bad, Mama and Allie. it's horrible, but it's true. I yep. mean, it's and very just, true. It really is just kind of a different kind of an abuse, and calling the police into the situation just perpetuates uh, more It is. Uh, you know, it, it is, too, especially when they go in and they try and tell people, I'm here to protect you. Okay, well, <laughs> that's not protection. You know what I mean? Because I won't throw my husband, my husband, under the bus. You're going to arrest me? You know, Apparently it was so. over a thousand dollars to get out of jail every time they arrested me because I was had blood everywhere. Mama Ali, you know, I want to thank you for sharing the story tonight. Uh, I appreciate hearing from you. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Chime in on this or bring up anything. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever is on your mind. Dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Uh, and by the way, you can join us on our website where we give you the features for free. If you like the show, you can become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. You uh, can help us get on more radio stations, bring more internet listeners on board. And expose new people to the ideas of freedom. In fact, I just heard today there might be a certain radio station in a certain island somewhere that uh, might be picking <laughs> us up. I can't really say much more than that because, you know, got to get the uh, the signed agreement on board first. But it could be very good. could be like a six-night-a-week kind of thing as well, which is pretty cool. So we uh, are making this possible because of listeners like you uh, giving three bucks a month to the program. And you get perks in return. You get access to the AMP-only call-in lines, the AMP-only forum, uh, podcast, and more. You can go get all the details, get signed up for as little as three bucks a month, PayPal, alternative options, uh, major credit cards, whatever works best for you. AMP.freetalklive.com. So uh, let's let's say you uh, happen to be in a subway tunnel and there's a man that you have a, a little scuffle with and you uh, somehow manage to, to tie him down because he's a really you know he's, he's a little tough he's out of control you manage you and your buddies manage to uh, to get him under control and you, you tie him down incapacitated yeah you tie his hands up no he's not incapacitated his his hands are tied 
and uh, and then you just uh, decide to go ahead and execute him right there in front of a whole crowd of people that are also there at the subway train station. What ch- uh, what crime would you be charged with? Um, that would be first degree murder. First degree murder, meaning premeditated. Yes, because and it would what it would be premeditated because you actually tied him down before you shot him, as correct. opposed to like being in the heat of a moment kind of thing where That's you correct. accidentally. You might be able to make an argument for second, but it's it's you know yeah, it seems pretty straightforward. I mean, you you took the time to tie him up, take out your gun, aim, and fire. The um and and on top of that, uh, tying somebody up is uh, is kidnapping. Um, so. That's a if if a murder is committed during the commission of a felony, you have what they call felony one murder, which isn't actually first degree, but it's punishable in the same way. What if you uh, now let's say you were charged with this. Let's let's go with second degree. Uh, let's say you were charged with second degree murder and you told the judge and the, the, you know, the people in the case that it was your testimony that it was an accident, that, that you didn't intend to actually shoot uh, the man, that you were actually reaching for a feather tickler that you had uh, on your belt, <laughs> and that you were Whoops. going to, you, you know, it was your intention to actually tickle the man, uh, but uh, instead you accidentally reached for your gun and ended up, you know, shooting him point blank, at pretty much point blank range. Do you think they would go ahead and say, oh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and reduce this, uh, this crime. We'll call it, say, involuntary manslaughter. You think that would work? Um, no. Well, it has uh, in Los Angeles, uh, or I guess excuse me, L.A. Times reporting on something happening in San Francisco or uh, Oakland. A former transit police officer who fatally shot an unarmed man at an Oakland train station has been convicted of involuntary manslaughter, capping a racially charged case that raised fears in the Bay Area of possible violence after the verdict. Prosecutors accused the ex-officer of intentionally firing his handgun as he tried to handcuff Oscar Grant. It's my understanding he was already handcuffed. But anyway, maybe I was wrong about that. Johannes Mersel, 28 years old, testifully, uh, excuse me, tearfully testified that the shooting was a tragic accident caused when he mistakenly grabbed his firearm instead of an electric taser weapon during a struggle with Grant. The shooting was captured on video by several witnesses, and it should be pointed out that the police attempted to capture as many of the videos as possible yeah. after they, uh, the incident happened by intimidating most, people. That's the most damning part of it, is that the police went around and tried to collect uh, people's cell, cell phone cameras and things like that in order to, to keep this from getting out. And to protect their buddy. This, in this case, this taser is designed to look and feel like a um, gun. It, it, you know, it, it's, it operates like a gun, has a trigger in the same place, it has a gun sort of shape to it, mm. and... I think that, you know, it's it's tough in this circumstance to, uh, you know, compare it to real life, you know, because who's going to walk around with both a taser and a gun on their hip except a police officer, right? Probably not very many people. Pretty uncommon. Mm-hmm. Um, so you pull the gun instead of the taser and you use it. You know, it's, it's, it's unusual. The taser weighs a different amount. Uh, it's, it's nothing, you know, it doesn't feel the same way in your hand, but... It didn't take long from pulling to deploying. Um, you know, it the the video is absolutely horrifyingly damning looking. The guy pulls his gun and shoots this guy basically right in the middle of the back. Um, where you know, I mean, what if it had been a taser? You know, what if he had thought it was a taser? I don't know. It's it's such a confusing case for me because I just don't know. I don't think you and I would be treated the same way as this guy, though. Hell no, no way would that be the case. Absolutely not. So uh, we don't know yet what the actual punishment is going to be because 
Well, the juries don't decide on that typically, right? I mean, normally the jury comes back with a guilty verdict, and then if it's going to be guilty, they they come back in this case guilty of so-called involuntary manslaughter. And then it's in it normally up to the robed man to decide uh, how long the person is supposed to go away for and what the exact uh, terms of the punishment will be. Depends on the ch- charge. Depends on the jurisdiction. Jurisdiction. Typically, though, doesn't isn't that the case? That's how we're told on television. Okay. Well, in, at least in this case, they aren't reporting on what the, uh, the the decision is here as far as what his guilty. He has been found guilty of involuntary manslaughter, but what will happen to him is still uh, still remains to be seen. So, of course. This will be the next test. It's number the first test here as far as how, how responsible police are for their actions. Uh, clearly not as responsible as uh, the rest of us out here. If we were to do the same things as they do, we would be in big, big trouble. Uh, in this case, he just gets a little – maybe we maybe he will get a slap on the hand. That tends to be how this stuff goes. Uh, or maybe they'll want to send a message uh, that they're serious about the police being out of control. We, uh, we That still remains to be seen. And as we learn more about this BART – shooting uh, BART being the Bay Area Transit Authority or something like that. Uh, Bay Area Rapid Transit, perhaps. Uh, th- as we learn more about what happens to Officer Merce, former Officer Mersel in this case, we will certainly let you know. I don't even know that anybody gets involuntary manslaughter. I, I, I don't, I've never even heard of anybody being charged with it. I've Maybe it's one of those... Vehicular homicide, mm-hmm. that's kind of usually given to somebody who doesn't intentionally do it. It's a, it's a negligence issue, most, most of the time given to somebody who is drunk. I would love to hear from maybe some, uh, some law enforcement officers in this case. I mean, what, what's your honest opinion of what this guy did? Is it, is it really that easy to mistake the taser on your belt for a firearm. I would assume they would have a different weight and feel to them. That well, that's even, what Mark even said. It would be in a different location. Yeah, even on a, in an instant, you would pick that up and something you, you would tell your brain, it would go from your fingers to your brain and say, oh, that's the wrong one. You would think, but maybe he was just on an adrenaline high and he uh, really didn't realize it. I just That's why I'd like to hear from you know law enforcement officer right. who could say, yeah, this guy's full of crap. Or, uh, I understand where he's coming from. So, I mean, I'm just curious, how realistic is what his claim that it was, well, whoops, I just made a mistake. How realistic is that claim uh, if you're a law enforcement officer? 800-259-9231. Apparently, according to the LA Times, the trial captured the attention of law enforcement officers who feared that a guilty verdict could raise the stakes for cops who make mistakes. So that wouldn't be such a terrible thing. I mean, they're human beings like the rest of us. If we're supposed to be expected to follow these rules, shouldn't they be as well? Right. Well, when the rest of us make mistakes, there are consequences for those actions, mm-hmm. right? I mean, when we screw up, then we usually have to pay a price. And so basically, these are the, this is the cops saying, well, when we screw up, we shouldn't have to pay as, uh, as much of a price. And we're worried that this case, if it's decided in the favor of uh, or if it's decided against the, the favor of this man, will, uh, will result in chilling consequences. And that if we make mistakes, we might actually have to face some consequences. That we might actually have to... Uh, chilling on uh, police whipping out guns and right. shooting people in the back. Right. Chilling on the police's freedom to be able to make mistakes without any kind of rep- uh, repercussions. So, yeah, I think that uh, it'd be absolutely fine if the police actually ended up getting punished for the mistakes that they make. I mean, right, I'm taking all- a little responsibility. <laughs> would, that would be nice. Yeah. Although I'm not getting my hopes up. Even as public as this case is and as outrageous as you point out, Mark, the video, and I haven't seen it. Since this happened, by the way, this uh, went down in early 2009. New Year's Day is when this man was executed. 
But even in a case as public as this, with the video as as graphic and as blatant uh, as it is, it, it still wouldn't shock me if this cop ended up getting, and I'd, we'd have to look at see what the kind of sentencing guidelines they have, but the very lowest end of whatever those, if there are guidelines. He's already gotten that. Man. Those would be. You know, uh, with, the, with this involuntary manslaughter charge, he's already gotten the very lowest that they have to offer. You could get probation for something like this. That's what I'm thinking is likely going to occur. I, you know, I like I said, I don't know what the the parameters are, but it, you know, maybe six months of probation, suspended uh, with pay. Suspend. He's he's off the job apparently. Okay. Former. Uh, he's a former officer, but that doesn't mean that he couldn't later on come back and say, uh, yeah, I'd like my job back. I was wrongfully terminated, etc. CC. I only got six months, so I sh- I'm still a good guy. You should let me back. It was an accident, involuntary manslaughter. Oops, just took that man's life. That's all. 1-800-259-9231, hour number two, coming up. You can take control of the airwaves, and Luther's going to tell us about the roads. It's Free Talk Live. In the decades to come, hardy adventurers will colonize the solar system, rediscovering freedom and finding vast new wealth. But the government of Earth will seek to extend its power and claim that wealth as its own any way it can. Escape from Terra, Volume 1, the first trade paperback collection of the popular adventure webcomic series, is available now for $12.95 from Big Head Press at BigHeadPress.com. This is Free Talk Live, and we're launching into the second hour of the program. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian. And Luther. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com and enjoy all the features there. You'll find them free. So head over and get yourself on board. You don't have to sign up for an account, but if you do, then you can do neat stuff like submit show prep to our website, and vote on other people's show prep, that kind of thing, head on over to freetalklive.com, the most voted up of the suggestions. Uh, We'll make it to the front page and the top of our website, meaning we're more likely to talk about it on the air tonight. Coming up, get a chance. Uh, We'll tell you about something that is from the front page of our website, uh, courtesy of lourockwell.com, about a 10-year-old boy and a police captain. We'll tell you what happened between them. Uh, But first, Luther is here to explain to us something about the roads. I mean, this is one of the issues that people... Really bring up when it uh, when it comes to objections to liberty, objections to ending the coercive, violent monopoly uh, known as the state is, well, what about the roads? And Luther, what about the roads? Well, kind of the point they're getting at this is, you know, everybody, everybody always asks, well, what are you going to do if the government's not around to make the roads? And so it's titled. And where is it from, by the way? Oh, it's from, I'm sorry, it's from the Center for a Stateless Society. This is by uh, Darian Warden. You know, and this isn't the argument that's just used if you talk about no government at all. They use this no matter what. Really? When right. you say, Small government? Absolutely. When you say that, uh, that, well, we need to downsize the government, the first thing that somebody comes out of their mouth is, what about the roads? Because they, uh, you know, <laughs> really? it, if the idea that you should have the government out of some area or the other area... Essentially, their excuse that the government does things well and the government needs to do things, whatever those things might be, whether it's health care or missiles on uh, poor people in foreign countries or whatever it is that, the, that needs to be done. 
Well, if the government didn't take care of the roads, I mean, the roads is always the place that they run back to when you talk about paring down, even paring down the size of government. Hmm. Okay. And uh, so this article is titled, Who Would Maintain the the Roads Worse Than the State? The question of transportation infrastructure is often posed to those who who reveal themselves to be anarchists. Without government, who would build the roads? One can give plenty of reasons and examples concerning why coercion is not needed to construct something uh, in such a high demand. And let's start with, without government, how would roads be worse? Roads are currently built according to political demand in an economy dominated by the state, which exists to secure power and ultimately answer uh, to the powerful. The U.S. interstate and Trans-Canada highway system, which owe their existence to government intervention, appear uh, to be comparatively efficient and a safe way to travel. But, right. I've, I've, I've traveled on the, uh, the United States interstate system. Oh, yeah. And, yeah and I've driven in, all across this country. I mean, And I've thought to myself, man, these are some fine highways. Because I think that the, the interstate system is, you know, it, it's the pinnacle of roads on this planet. Well, I don't know. I, I guess the, the Audubon's pretty nice. I haven't been there. The perspective, and that's, I think, where this is coming from, the, the point that people believe that these interstates and roads are safe ways to travel, I think that uh, that's because they don't know anything better, right? I mean, the the road industry, for lack of a better term, has never had to innovate particularly well. They, there's not really competition for right. roads out there, and so can't, they're— Can't miss a place you've never been. Well, exactly. So from uh, it's like the like the middle schoolers that the the local middle school when we would go out and and do our school sucks project outreach at the end of the school year. It's not happening now because for obvious reasons. But uh, when we were there during the school year, and and some of them would be upset about it. Well, school's great. This is great. School school is awesome. What are you talking about? School sucks. Well. How many other schools have you been to? What, how, how much do you know about uh, the educational process? And you don't realize, if you haven't ever experienced anything else, how good things can really be. Right. Indeed. I, you know, the, the idea that we would necessarily even be constrained to the ground now if uh, government had been out of the area of roads and, and licensing and all that, licensure and all that stuff, uh, you know, I, I think is kind of silly. I think that likely passenger vehicles would be something that would fly around in the air at this point instead of, well, motorized horse carts that uh, we essentially driving now. And they're very good. I mean, they've, they've made these motorized horse carts, you know, sit low to the ground and handle nicely. They put nice sticky tires on them. So they 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 stick to the roads. And I think that as much of um, the 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 joy of driving comes from the car far more than it comes from the road. But I'm only saying it can be a combination the, of the, the inter- U.S. interstate system that they cur- that we currently have is the best that we that most people have experienced. So therefore, they enjoy it. Do you understand? Roads where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he continues. Uh, but what is not seen are transportation methods that could have developed in a society free of state controls. For example, high-speed roads might have been built over existing throughways. Some might be exclusive to smaller passenger vehicles, and some might expand vertically to accommodate more traffic without uh, stealing from other people who live beside them. I always thought that was a great idea, having uh, like double-decker, triple-decker roads where you know you can just get it on an on-ramp if it's uh, congested, and you know it'd be a little more room up there. Sure, vertical expansion makes sense. I mean, that's how people live in cities. Right. It's, yeah, it's the way a city goes. I mean, eventually you run out of room. So uh, connected networks of local rail systems might be prominent and or more people could travel by personal aircraft, which could be, of course, which, of course, could be shared. 
Considering the numerous ways that certain modes of transportation are subsidized by state force shows the difficulty of calculating what method would be most efficient in a free society. Governments use the power of eminent domain to take land from road, uh, land for roads and for the massive commercial and residential developments that are built to serve. Well, so he's right. I mean, we can't calculate exactly what would be the best method from getting people from point A to point B, but the market would be able to do that. Were it given the opportunity to, right. were there an actual free market in transportation, we would find out what the best ways uh, to, to travel are. And unfortunately, we can only speculate at this point. Right. I'm sure there would be a lot of trial and error in that process as well. But mm-hmm. I think in the end, it would definitely be worth it, like with anything. And, of course, it's uh, worth pointing out here, since he mentioned the flying cars, that uh, Mahler Skycar has been in development for decades and has, I think they had an operable one in the late 60s or pretty long time ago and they just haven't really gotten it to market because the faa although i think there was a story up on our website sometime this week that said that the apparently there has been some sort of sky car approved now yeah. hmm. there's a, 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 a basically a, a, a car with fold-out wings that can go in a garage i it would seem like a kind of a tall garage but you know whatever mm-hmm. um it it doesn't it isn't a great car, and it isn't a great plane, but it's uh, it's kind of a neat thing. And um, well, know, the first it the first is usually not that that great, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it's it's uh, the early adopters are going to get excited, and of course, really, it's not the nobody early wants to fly around in the Kitty Hawk anymore. It, it's not the early adopter that bothers me, and it's it, it's it's not the flying around that bothers me. It's the early crasher and the falling down that bothers me, as far as this vehicle. Well, don't worry, Mark. The government's going to make sure that whoever flies that car is very very well trained. Sure. And that's really the other issue here is that. Uh, even if flying cars are approved by the FAA, then you still have to be approved in order to actually pilot one. Uh, not to say that you shouldn't have some sort of uh, approval before you are able to pilot such a thing, uh, but I think that an insurance company would be a, would do a better job at, at verifying whether or not somebody is able to uh, to do that, uh, to, to pilot a device like that. Right. It's not the things that you learn while getting licensed that are bad. It's the, uh, it's, it's the government's inefficiency in using it. I mean, the idea that somebody has a driver's license qualifies them to drive a car, I think, is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, and the fact that, the, you know, so many of them aren't, aren't reclassified. I could be going blind right now. The government's not going to be trying to get my license back. Think about right. this. I mean, uh, for instance, if you drove, uh, if you learned to drive on an automatic, then you're right. You're absolutely right, Mark. I mean, just because you have that license doesn't mean you know anything about driving a stick <laughs> or a know? motorcycle. I mean, I, I don't know what it was like when you guys were growing up in Florida getting your licenses, but it was a joke when I, uh, when oh, I went down to the Yeah. Yeah, the the a, a blindfolded monkey could have uh, passed that test. <laughs> I remember, yeah, the road test was done in the parking lot. Uh, on mm-hmm. my three point turn, he told me I could make, take as many points as I wanted. It didn't matter. I mean, the whole thing was just ridiculous. Wow, uh, I agree that a three point, uh, although a three point turn is a valuable thing to know. I mean, how you can do it a couple of times, and what do you need to know a a fast, efficient three point turn for? A car chase. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, I just don't know what it's all about. And right. it, well, I, I had to learn how to parallel park in Florida, where they have no parallel parking. Yeah, we, spaces. we didn't have to do that. Yeah, they had, they had dropped that. No, I learned it anyway. Yeah. Hey, there's more coming up here though about uh, the roads and the marketplace, free market, as opposed to what we have now, which is the violent monopoly roads. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Who really could do road repair uh, worse than the government? More coming up, 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves, bring up whatever's on your mind. Got any road innovation ideas? You're welcome to share those, too. And uh, take control. This is Free Talk Live. 
Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That never brought to you by SACL CAI. 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us online, freetalklive.com. We've got news, updates. You want to know the latest about Free Talk Live? You can find out if you're on our email updates list, or you can follow our Facebook profile or Twitter. You can go to news.freetalklive.com to get uh, to get signed up for any one or all of those options. It's all free, news.freetalklive.com. Perhaps you may own or know someone who has a company that is struggling to collect money owed from past due accounts. Delinquent accounts are problematic, not only from the standpoint of diminished revenues, but businesses find themselves sidetracked by the arduous task of uh, trying to collect on these accounts. Consequently, valuable time and resources are pulled away from principal operations. SACL CAI liberates businesses from inefficiencies and the vexing task of collections. SACL CAI, you can see their banner at freetalklive.com. All right, as we continue here, uh, we're talking with Luther, who has a story from the Center for the Stateless, uh, for a Stateless Society, Darren Wardron, who's actually one of the hosts of Thinking Liberty, which is one of the programs that appears on the Liberty Radio Network at lrn.fm. And he has, uh, he's writing us an article here about well, who could really take care of the roads worse than the government? Since one of the big objections to a free society is, uh, what about the roads? Yeah. Uh, well, who, who would do the roads better than the government is, you, you know, usually the uh, the question. And he just anybody. kind of flipped it around. Yeah. yeah. And that's really where he's going with all this. I mean, I'll, I'll continue. I mean, so far he's talked about how, you know, we have the interstate system and it, it seems great to us. But, you know, if you've never... If you never tried uh, filet mignon, how are you going to not think that Chuck Eye is the greatest steak in the world? Mm-hmm. I mean, so uh, he goes on a uh, large commercial airplane. You mean it's not? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Ian. Ian doesn't eat uh, beef very no, often. I, I like filet. When I, whenever I have uh, a steak, that's usually the way I go. Yeah. Ribeye is the way to go. Uh, Why is that? I'm a big prime rib guy. I like it. Uh, well, prime ribs roasted. It is ribeye. ribeye I know. <laughs> Why? It's just doctored up. Um, I, I, it's, it's, it's tastier meat in my opinion. I right? like the, the cut. It, it's yeah, generally larger. More. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. It's got a big chunk of delicious fat right in the center Bigger of it. Bigger isn't always better. It is in this case. Yeah. That's, that's what the little guys <laughs> tell themselves. <laughs> All right. So he, he's going on to talk about how alternative modes of, uh, uh, transportation will be available like private, uh, aircraft and, uh. So uh, large commercial airplanes are likely more economically uh, viable because their production lines depend on military contracts. In the past, large rail companies were subsidized, and government governments have always controlled the use of land on behalf of politi- the politically powerful. Interstate highways reduce uh, trip time when compared to the option of in-state controlled transportation infrastructure, but they are an integral part of the state-dominated economy that makes it necessary to drive further, drive more often, and drive at certain times. If authoritarian obstructions were done away with, uh, it would like it, <clears throat> it is likely that people could work for less time and at hours more to their choosing, and it would be easier to support oneself from home or neighborhood ec- economic activity. A free economy would increase available options and the opportunity to create new arrangements. Uh, as for local roads in suburbia, some may have. Uh, have originally been built as mixed-use roads back for when uh, internal combustion engines caught on, but they often, uh, but they are now often function uh, to limit the types of travel that can be practiced. Right, and you know the idea that these these roads, these right of ways, these thoroughfares were at one point intended for 
horses and buggies, um, the same, the the land, the space that's there. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to die if you take a horse and buggy out on these things. The things uh, that I've seen people with uh, horses out here in in New Hampshire. I haven't seen any of those, but certainly the roads out here, uh, you know, lack the city planning that now goes on or the it doesn't even have to be city planning, the neighborhood planning, whereas uh, down in Florida, everything was built in a grid. It was kind of it was less difficult to get lost because if you made a wrong turn, you know, you could just hit a block and you'd be back on the street you were on. Right. These are paved, paved cow paths. Essentially. Exactly. Yeah. Everything's winding and uh, a lot of the streets don't connect that, you know, you would expect to. Uh, and it's kind of a mess. Uh, Somebody with uh, po- the political might and capital uh, was able to stop that street from connecting because their property was in the middle. If it had been just your average schmo, they'd have taken their property and run the street through. Right. When government roads make motor vehicles the only safe way to travel between home and work or the store, the government roads work together with zoning laws to enforce the use of motor vehicles. And those who are not able to afford cars or... Yeah, that, that's a true... That, sorry to, yeah. but, uh, to interrupt there. And, and that is a true statement. In a lot of places, you can't take a bicycle you know, on the interstate. You can't even walk. Uh, on, on, a, the on, the, on the interstate, right, and so there are similar rules like that, and it all, I guess it all depends on where you live. Because uh, I know I've seen, I'm pretty certain I've seen somebody uh, riding a bicycle down a state road in New Hampshire. So oh yeah, I, I see it all the time, or joggers uh, when I'm right. on my way to work. Yeah, but it certainly isn't the the safest of situations. No, no they, they don't leave them enough room, and it's it's always unnerving, especially when you have traffic coming the other way. I mean, it's just two lane highways, mm-hmm. so. You know, yeah the, the the right size of a bike path. You know, when I was when I was a kid, you rode along on the white line in the road, and you hoped you didn't die. Uh, but you know, now they get three feet sometimes for bike paths, and that still doesn't seem like enough when I'm passing them. I, I don't f- see those anywhere. Some places I see them occasionally, but I feel that bikes belong more on the sidewalk than on the road. I think it depends on depends where. On the sidewalk. Um, and yeah, True. Some, some sidewalks have these, uh, you know, the, the, where, where you drive into them. So there's these dips. And if it's dark, you just can't see the dips and stuff. Um, where the, so the road's um, safer. I think that it, it depends. And I think it, you know, the, the person needs to be able to make that decision. In some cases, kids riding along, uh, you know, their bicycles in, in like da- the downtown area or something like that, that can be dangerous for people. Oh, yeah. And those who are not able to afford cars and are not permitted by the state to operate cars have their choices further limited. Mm. So government action uh, converts roads from tools of personal mobility into means of controlling the movement and settlement of people. It's a tool of, yeah, a tool of control, tool, tool of oppression. I mean, because it's difficult to operate in many places without having a car, especially in a kind of a, a an urban zone or not as an urban zone, but a, a kind of a sprawled out city, if you will. Right. Here if you're looking, Keene, it's not a problem. Right. If you're looking at, uh, you know, the usually the northern towns or the older cities have more uh, vertical, uh, you know, stuff going on, mm-hmm. so you can manage to make it without uh, cars but if you're talking about la uh, vegas larger cities that have grown up since the advent of the automobile you're talking about very big places that uh, you, you just really can't get around without your own car i mean using their bus systems and their their uh, you know public transportation system very very difficult yeah. there's a town outside of Keene called roxbury and it used to be kind of a bustling town until they the government redid the highway systems the state highway systems mm. and now it's dead it's a ghost town there's almost nobody living there 225 i think wow yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> it's a good place for the freetown project <laughs> <laughs> there you go and those uh sorry uh Roads are often constructed in America frontier towns before the arrival of formal government. Recognizing that they have an accessible uh, throughway would be in the in their interest. 
Local residents constructed and maintained roads and benefited from the labor they put into them. More recently, residents of the Hawaiian island of Kauai uh, bypassed the state bureaucracy to repair the road vital to the local economy using much less time and money than the oh, state yeah. said would be needed. I, I, I remember that. that. Yeah, it was. Didn't uh, they like repair a bridge or something like that? Yeah, and the state estimated it would cost millions upon millions of dollars, and it would take, take two, forever. Yeah, two years to complete. And they gathered volunteers together. They did it for a couple. I think it was like a couple hundred thousand in the end, and it was done in a month or two. You know, I remember going uh, when I was a kid in Florida, Sarasota, Florida. I remember going to a planning meeting. My parents took me to this road planning meeting that the government was having, saying, well, we're going to put this road in, th- we're going to put it through this area. It was, it was right, basically bordering our neighborhood, so that's why my parents went to it. And I remember going to that meeting. I was probably eight years old. They started to work on that road as I was leaving Florida in 2006 at uh, the age of uh, 26. Wow. More coming up. You can take control. Free talk live. What if the key to achieving liberty in your lifetime was to move together with others who think like you? Liberty activists are joining the Free State Project, which is over halfway to its goal of 20,000 participants. And they're already making the move to New Hampshire. The successes are piling up and are proving the Free State Project is a real movement and no longer just a great idea. When you're planning your move, consider Keen. Keen is famous for its civil disobedience and non-cooperation, and there's plenty of political opportunity as well. From demonstrations and vigils to outreach and volunteering, there's a lot going on in Keene. Keene is also the undisputed liberty media capital of the world, with television, talk radio, newsprint, and more, all originating here. Though it's more than just activism, with regular social events each week. See what's happening at freekeen.com and get connected with video, audio, the busiest Liberty Forum in New Hampshire, and more at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free and bring up what you want, 800-259-9231. Whether you want to comment on the roads or whatever might be on your mind, you're welcome to do so. 1-800-259-9231. Hey, uh, join us on our website. You'll get a lot of features. They're all free. One of them is our webcam uh, where you can watch and listen to this program and chat as well. The chat room built into the very same page. So watch, listen, interact with other listeners at cam.freetalklive.com that's cam.freetalklive.com and the webcam is brought to you by memorydealers.com they offer the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers including sfps gbix xfps and packs and x2s that are 100 percent compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers including cisco 3com foundry alcatel and hp at up to 99 percent off list price memory dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs. In stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery, MemoryDealers.com. As we continue here, and we'll get to your calls here shortly, but Luther has a few more thoughts uh, from uh, Darian Wardron's uh, article from the Center for Stateless Society about the government and the roads. Right, I just kind of want to wrap this up. There's just a few more paragraphs here. Uh The issue of transportation should be considered in terms of all transit options. New York's Metropolitan Transportation Authority, which constantly fails to support itself financially, recently announced more service cuts after increasing fares last year. Jeez. Uh, Amtrak is expensive and frequently delayed. New Jersey transit lines have experienced service cuts and fare increases. Uh, This will cause more congestion on trains as well as on the roads and... 
as the roads, as the cost of using trains outweigh the benefits of for many potential customers. Clearly, government is not very good at main t- managing something that is uh, in high demand. Convenient mobility. Uh, maybe railway workers know more about managing trains than politicians do. What a wonderful point. Hmm. I mean, who else would know better about it? You know, uh, I experience this a lot at my job, actually. You know, it's the, the bean counters in the office who don't understand what it's like to be out in the field and have to fix these machines. You know, they'll try to push the really the really crappy, the real pieces of garbage machines out to really? customers. Yeah, because they're cheap or, you know, they're hot items to sell or they're, they have word from corporate to try to push them. And they're just junk. And that means that they're going to break down. Yeah, it just means we're just going to have to throw more parts in it. I'm going to have to go back there more often. The customer's not going to be happy with it. Um, don't you think that costs them more in the long run? I mean, yeah, they don't they take. Do there's a lot they don't take into consideration when they send us out to these places, though, like the gas money it takes to to send us there. Right, and then uh, I mean that's just your personal experience from working in the corporate world. And in many cases, corporations can be very bureaucratic, especially oh, yeah. the larger they are. Yeah, and mine's really large. Uh, I'm a. I work for a subsidiary of a subsidiary of Xerox. A subsidiary of a subsidiary of Xerox. Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and and if people are, uh, you're absolutely right what you're saying because uh, these these government bureaucrats, especially politicians. I mean, at least in the corporation, these guys have a tie to the company, like they're they have some level of uh, responsibility for what's going on. Whereas a politician or an administrator isn't quite as uh, tied into his decisions that he's making, especially not a politician. Politicians just making decisions based on what'll look good when he's getting elected, not what the results are going to be or anything like that. An administrator of a government bureaucracy is making decisions based on what is going to increase costs for his bureaucracy so his bureaucracy can uh, get more money the uh, the next year down the line typically sure, unless they're it. being forced to cut. I've I can't tell you how many times I've seen it is that the end of the end of the fiscal year they have to spend all their extra money or so else this, yeah so that they can get a larger budget next year or at least the same budget next year um the people that are making these decisions are usually unionized government employees who are making far more than they would in the marketplace or at least there's far more of them than there would be in the marketplace uh making so therefore sort of on the aggregate making more uh, so they really don't even have an understanding of how it works only the government can have a monopoly on roads, the ability to charge toll uh, tolls on roads, and still run in the red. Yeah, only the government could do that. What else, Luther? That was it. All right, from the Center for Stateless Society, C4SS.org. Mm-hmm. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You can comment on the road situation or bring up whatever's on your mind. We'll start things out here with Jason in Colorado. Uh, Jason, you're on Free Talk Live on the Amp Lines. Hi everybody. Hey. Uh, I would like to talk about uh, M3 Money Supply. Uh, I got a I got a misleading. A, a colleague of mine sent me an email today, and basically we have a debate between Keynesian and Austrian perspectives. So he sent me an article, which I've since tracked back to a May May 26 article by Ambrose Evans Pritchard. Uh, you might have heard of him. I think I've, he's been quoted on the show before, but he he's basically a Keynesian writer for the Telegraph. Um, this article, in a, in a nutshell, says that oh my gosh, look out! The M3 money supply in the United States is contracting, you know, quicker than uh, or on pace is that of the the Great Depression. And so, I, I thought that that was kind of weird. Um, M3. So, for for listeners that are new to all this, basically, M3 is the broadest measure of the money supply. And there's an M2, an M1, and a, even an M0. But basically. 
Now, M zero is the amount of money actually, and and like I, I believe hard currency in the marketplace. Is that right? Uh, Mark, I think that's M one. M one's like the hard currency, but the key the key thing that's not in M one, and which I want to talk about, is the excess reserves that the banks hold at the Fed. Mm-hmm. Those are not included in M one. M two is uh, basically think of M one as like checking accounts. M two is checking accounts plus savings accounts. M three is checking accounts, savings accounts, and CDs and money markets and a bunch of other things. So basically the money market, which is a huge, huge amount of money out there. All the people that are um, fleeing the stock market, they go into money markets, which is basically short-term treasuries. But this article, uh, I'm only looking at the first four paragraphs. I won't read them. But basically it says that you know the money supply fell. Ooh, 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 deflation, look out. And I think it's being used as a boogeyman for – Look out, here comes deflation, deflation is bad, and therefore it's going to be cover for central banks all over saying, we can't have deflation, we need to inflate, and that's going to be coming up. Like I said, this is back in May, but uh, what, what I, the second paragraph basically says that uh, when the M3 uh, economists, of course, those are Keynesian economists, uh, economists look at the M3 as kind of like a warning signal of the direction of the U.S. economy a year or so in advance. That's right out of the article. But if you think about it, we know the stock market peaked what, uh, or had its crash in, in late 2008. So if you go back to 2007, is there a crash in M3? I mean, if, if you actually take what they say and, and, and move it back in time and say, well, did the M3 predict the crash of 2000, the panic of 2008? Did it? The answer is it did not. No, no. In, in fact, it, it, it had been growing, and it only hit 0% growth uh, in uh, January of 2010. So, so and now they're saying it's, it's contracting. That you, so it had been growing, and then since January, it's been contracting. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And the biggest, the biggest statement is, you know, it's it's saying here that the assets of institutional money market funds fell at a 37 percent rate, the sharpest drop when ever. Ooh. So they're trying to. I just wanted all the listeners to know that the M3 money supply, which the Fed didn't even. Stop reporting in I think 2005 because it's right. so okay because it's so uh, what the M the only the only purpose of these M money supplies for you and me and everybody else that's out there in the economy is to know are we going to get hit with inflation or deflation and then you know what do we do with our money our savings if deflation is coming then each dollar that we hold in our savings account or or a checking account actually becomes more it, it, it has more purchasing power but you right. and I and Mark and Luther all know that. The history is basically since 1934, the deflation has won one year. 1955 was the only year that there was actually a deflation. Right. And since De- then, it's been so. The score is 76 inflation. The uh, the uh, inflation won. It's like the Washington uh, Generals versus the Harlem Globetrotters. Deflation is the is the rubber snake of economics. I mean, you you shake right. it at somebody in order to scare them, but it, um, yes, it just exactly. it it it's it doesn't happen very often at all. I mean, certainly it's not a good situation, but it's, it's so it incredibly good? rare. Um, so it seems uh, like it'd be Jason, a fine thing to have happen after you've had inflation. A whole bunch. If you had a real money system, maybe that's true. Uh, we, we don't. I mean, ours is completely fake. Jason, what's your advice for, for the average individual um, to do right now? Uh, uh, don't, don't be scared of deflation and buy your gold and silver. Why shouldn't one be afraid of deflation? I want you to, if you don't mind, can you explain that? More coming up here in a moment. This is Free Talk Live. 
Have you ever wished that you could buy, sell, and trade in silver in your community? Dell Valley Silver has a no-cost turnkey setup for you. You recruit six to eight businesses in your area to accept Dell Valley Silver rounds as barter currency, and your wish is granted. You get paid, and you promote the use of real money. This isn't like so many other silver currency setups where it's really just a system to sell high-priced rounds. It's a free market system based on Austrian economics. DellValleySilver.com. DellValleySilver.com. Take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free and bringing up whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231. That's why we call the show Free Talk Live. You're free to talk about whatever you want. Uh, tonight, it is Ian. And Luther. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. If you enjoy the fact that we give you everything on the site for free, you can voluntarily support the show by going to promote.freetalklive.com. And you'll find a list of things that you can do to help get Free Talk Live into more ears around the country and around the world, go to amp.freetalklive.com. Get signed up. Or excuse me, not amp. Promote.freetalklive.com. This will be the place you can go to get a list of things you can do. Amp is one of those things you'll find on the promote page. Promote.freetalklive.com. As we continue, uh, we've got Jason in Colorado talking about uh, economics, the M3 number, which is the largest, widest measure of the money supply in the United States. And you're talking about how apparently it has been dropping since the beginning of 2010 meaning that uh, there's deflation happening and there are certain Keynesian economists out there that would like to get you to believe that that's a bad thing, that deflation is, is, uh, is negative, that you should be afraid of it. And you said not to be afraid of it. Why? Yeah, and, and not to be afraid of it because it, it, the M3, out of all the different Ms, M3 is the one that is uh, least correlated with actual price increases or decreases that you feel when you go to the store, the grocery store. M1, which is just essentially checking accounts and money and money floating out there as currency that's not in bank vaults, that, that is a much better predictor of future price increases or decreases. So what I'm saying is uh, they have this huge drop in M3, and they're, they're, they're crying like it's the Great Depression all over again uh, back in May. And these stats are still about the same for now. And all that's really happened is the, the growth went from – a lot of growth down to zero, and then it's gone slightly negative for this, quote, M3 number. But uh, deflation is good for you and me and Mark and Luther because we would like to go to the gas pump and pay less for gas. We would like to go to the grocery store and pay less for cereal and eggs and milk and all that thing. So uh, deflation only makes uh, it makes it hard. It makes savers and rewards savers, which mm -hmm. is where in Austrian economics capital is formed that then becomes investment in profitable businesses, and it makes, but it does, Here, here's the snag, deflation of the money supply, any of the M's, but particularly M1, it makes loans harder to pay back. So if your wages stay the same, hmm. and your loan, I'm sorry, if your wages actually contract as the money supply shrinks and things cost less, but your loan is always stated in the money, in the money terms at the time you made your loan. So, you know, ah, housing is affected by deflation. So it's the boogeyman, basically, uh, the the bankers, uh, the 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 lent, I'm sorry, the debtors are harmed by deflation, and we we most people, you know, the aggregate stuff in the U.S., the aggregate, the measurement of U.S. the U.S. Are, uh, people in the U.S. are debtors, and so it does it is a threat. But like all the people that you see on TV, like Peter Schiff, 
It's the hangover. The hangover has to be cleared. The, the, the depression essentially has to clear the market of all these bad loans. So there will be right, a the market has I, to I mean, correct I would actually it. like deflation to happen. Sure, the market well, has to correct itself, and anybody that isn't in debt wouldn't have a problem. And I think that's, I'm glad you brought that up, because yeah. as I'm like you, you know, I, I've got, uh, I don't have debt, I don't like debt, I try to get rid of debt as quickly as possible if I acquired in my life, and so I'm in a, a fine, sh- I'm in fine shape for yeah. deflation also, but I see where you're coming from, that a lot of Americans, is, that may make life a little bit more difficult right. for well, them. Right, well this is, um, this is a kind of, it's a fun, kind of a funny scenario, because we're talking about M3 here, which is not a great indicator of whether or not deflation is going to occur, so they're out there shaking the uh, the rubber snake of deflation at the at the right. um, at the American people when it may or may not be something that occurs. Um, and then you're, we're talking about well, in this uh, this this wor- this sort of Sim City world of fiat currency that we have going on in the world where money isn't really money; it's something that we're told is money, and it's not. It's debt. Uh, yeah, it's it's, right. it's it's a debt note, not a a, a, a representation of value. You it. Deflation is bad. However, what they've done up to this point to create the situation, and don't be don't be mistaken for a second, there are people that are controlling. Supposedly, I, I'm not saying they're controlling it well, but they're controlling the economy and the 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 uh, the currency as it is. They're shaping this. So either. They failed, and your your expectation is that you can switch a few people in uh, on, on these chairs, and and that they're going to be able to handle it, or um, that you know that that um, you know these things are good. What we really need is to just get rid of it and have a value backed currency, and that will um, you know that'll solve the problem. It's really hard to say what's better in the world of fiat currency or worse. We should have deflation. We shouldn't have deflation. Um, you know, because it's well, in the right. meantime, uh, the, the people that are caught in the midst of all this really can't do anything. You can shake the rubber snake all you want, but what are the American people going to do besides demand the change you're talking about, Mark? I mean, the, they can't really do anything they besides do handle their own personal finances as well as they possibly can. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's always a good idea to pay off your debts and get a, get out from underneath credit cards and stuff like that. Uh, so, I mean, whether you're having inflation or deflation, that's a generally true statement is that getting out from credit card debt is, is a good idea. That you'll, be a, you'll be better off if you're out from underneath that debt in either situation. I agree with that. And once you get out from the debt, then deflation becomes a good thing for you because every dollar you have then goes further, whereas the reverse is normally what we're used to seeing, which is what the Keynesians want. It's what the money, uh, money controlling people, uh, the bankers and the the military industrial complex they want inflation because it benefits them i mean when the government inflates the money supply that inflation of the money supply is going to the politically connected and so it's a direct benefit for the people that are politically connected to the federal federal reserve and the federal government and things like that so uh so right like what can you do besides advocate sound money and uh advocate uh, personal responsibility with your own finances and and have personal responsibility with your own finances. Hey, Ian, I'd like to add two quick things. So I think the only way we're actually going to get deflation, a true, call it the 1930s real deflation, where 8,000 bank branches went out of business because the money supply actually did contract it, there were two key events. So 1933, you, uh, in 1933 was the gold confiscation by FDR. And the reason he confiscated gold is you can't put into place the fiat money inflationary system when you still got that nasty gold standard still lingering around in the background where people could go into a bank and cash out a $20 bill for a one-ounce gold coin. So 33, the gold is uh, basically taken. In 34, 
what happened. The FDIC was created, and they're really so. The, so the point is, is that with the FDIC backing insurance deposits, there will not be an uh, a deflation 30s type, and that's what this article screams about. That ooh, we're back to the 30s deflation. Look out. There will not be a 1930s type uh, contraction of the M1 money supply because the FDIC is out there and it has a right now a $500 billion uh, credit line from the Congress. And where does the Congress get the money? They they sell treasuries. Where does the Treasury get the money? You got it. it. The the Fed prints it. So until the Fed stiffs the Treasury and the FDIC basically gets no no moss from the from the Congress. Count on the Harlem Globetrotters of inflation to win and the Washington Generals of deflation to lose. So you're and make saying your that financial that, plans accordingly. So you're saying that there's nothing really uh, that basically the way it's set up with the FDIC and that, and that sort of thing will prevent any deflation from yes. really happening. You, we will not get a sustain. Let's call it two percent per year. We will not get a a two percent decline of the money supply for any given time. Now the Fed does tighten. Because if they don't tighten on occasion, they do get hyperinflation. Well, okay, so well, what do, do you tighten. think all the fear-mongering is then? I mean, if if, if what you're uh, saying is true, that you know, there's no chance really that uh, with their system that it's going to have real deflation, why the fear, fear-mongering? What are they it, trying to benefit from? In, in, order, in, in order to have cover for the, quant, the new round of quantitative easing that will come up, you're going to get TARP 3 and TARP 4. All the stuff you're seeing about the uh, G20 and austerity and all that and the Obama administration saying, you know, we we got to keep spending. That's all. All this stuff is cover for the next round of. Oh, okay. Uh, so, 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 what you're saying is that uh, they're they're talking about this specter of deflation and trying to scare people about it, and then yes. the government's going to come in and say, "Well, to save us from deflation, we need to bail things out, right?" So there'd be more exactly. bailouts. Even even though it's already a foregone conclusion, uh, I mean, it mm-hmm. will happen if the Fed totally tells the Treasury, "Piss off, we're not going to buy anymore." But. Uh, that's yeah. not what the Fed exists for. It exists to protect the big banks who have all those bad loans. Hmm. And the, the Fed so. isn't the Fed isn't particularly um, lucrative for the banks themselves as an institution. It's just uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's where the Treasury gets its money from, and of course, they're tied. These banks are tied to the the most powerful government the world's ever seen. So, all right, it's good for the banks because they've got uh, they're part of the club. Yeah, they're they're, yeah. they're on don't, the inside. Don't worry, don't about deflation unless the FDIC cannot uh, insure banks anymore, and don't don't worry about deflation until the Fed tells the Treasury we ain't buying anymore. Is, is my point, and then make your make your uh, financial plans for your family accordingly. Basically, Jason, I want to thank you for the uh, the expertise here tonight and the information. I think it was presented in a way that I grasped it, and, and uh, you know I'm no expert on these things, so thank you for that. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, the third hour of the program. Is coming up here in moments. What happens when you combine a 10-year-old boy and a police captain? We'll find out. Uh, You might be able to guess. But we'll explain here in hour number three. You can also bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752.
Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind. 1-800-259-9231. We'll tell you about how a uh, police captain decided to interact with an unruly 10-year-old here in, uh, in a little bit. And also take your phone calls about anything. 1-800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it is Ian. And Luther. And Mark. All right, so let's go right into the calls and the fun. Theft is on the line in Florida, the hip-hop libertarian. Hey, Theft. Hey, what's going on? What's on your mind tonight? Okay, um, I just wanted, I just found something out. So uh, pardon my explanation. I'm not going to be too articulate with this. I just, I'm getting into this right now, but... um, uh, ever since I started getting into, um, well, no, it's a little bit later than that. Around 2006, you know, I started seeing, uh, uh, you know, buy gold stuff. You know, I've been paying attention to that since way back then. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, everywhere you listen to now, everybody's like, buy gold here, buy gold there. Uh, some people even want to buy your gold. So everything is gold, right? Sure. And the other the other day I found a podcast uh, from somebody called John Irving. It's a Gnostic media. And he interviewed um, this man called Steven Zarlanga. He used to be a libertarian back in the days and all this stuff. And he was a big Ayn Rand supporter. He now thinks that she's like evil or something like that. But he was talking about how we need to, you know, nationalize uh, the banks. You know, and that's one thing that what? libertarian. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, uh, and that's one thing that libertarians, you know, uh, I'm not for it. That's exactly what I said. When he said that, I was like, ah, let me take this off, okay? But I, I kept listening. And I don't know if it's so much that he's saying, well, he is saying the government needs to take over the money supply. But wait, okay, how do I explain this? He, he was, um... Well, the government has see, taken over the money supply. I mean, to some extent, the, well, the, well, the banks it's are... It's not really the government. That's the thing. It's the Federal Reserve, a private company. Yeah. This we is, all know that. This is sort of... Well, the, yeah, I, I know. Theft, let me explain, I, I know, let me explain it to you real quick. Um, there's, this is okay. one of the stances that uh, sort of the ultra-conservatives will take, which is that we don't need these fraudulent evil bankers controlling our fiat currency we should give them to our bright shining politicians who are who are responsible to you and me for their behavior um which well that's that's the part that that i agree with but um that's not really what i i mean that's what i called about but wait what part do you agree with i'm confused about you know letting the this is why i'm calling because i want to figure out why um what you guys think about nationalizing it. Okay, what he's trying to explain is that when we have gold as the standard in silver, that they're able to manipulate it. The private uh, companies are, are able to manipulate it. Actually, and it usually was, backfails when they try to manipulate a, a, the value of silver and gold. Well, we did find out recently that it was with J.P. Morgan and some of the other big, big banks were actually selling silver and gold that didn't exist, so they were mm-hmm. doing that to, right, to right. manipulate recently. the price. Well, um, well he, was, he was saying, he, he was pointing uh, to the, uh, he was making an example of what uh, uh, Abe Lincoln did with the greenbacks, the United States notes, and how the government was printing their own money. They weren't borrowing money and creating interest. And he's, they started speaking about the Wizard of Oz and how that's really uh, a story about the gold standard. And well, what's her name, Dorothy or whatever, she didn't really have ruby slippers on. It was, it was silver slippers, and she was going down the 
yellow brick road trying to get to the Emerald City, which the Emerald City was uh, an analogy to the Greenback. Yeah, we've heard this before, actually. We've uh, we've heard that theory before. It's very interesting, okay. and it is true that they changed the slippers from silver to uh, to ruby for the for the movie. Yeah, I, I mean, and okay, well, let me, let me point you guys to this movie. That well, this lady uh, named Ellen Brown, she wrote a book about the web the web of debt, and she broke down in there that story and all this stuff. So, Bill Steele, this is the guy who who made the documentary called Money Masters. I'm pretty sure you guys are familiar with that. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've seen the whole thing, but I, I definitely am aware of it. Okay, I've watched yeah, so many videos on uh, money that I, I couldn't tell exactly. you. Well, he's got this new one called The Secret of Oz. You should watch it. I mean, I know you guys are busy and all this no, stuff. No, I'll watch it. The guys, people that are listening to me, you know, uh, you go, you know, torrent it. You can find it on everywhere online right now. You can find it. But it's pretty interesting, man. I mean, it's it kind of goes against what... What I think, I mean, they're saying nationalize it, take it away from the private industry. But I don't, I don't know if the, the well, government should be in control of this. Right. Maybe okay. So let's address of, uh, let's address that issue. Yeah. Le- right. Right. Let's address that issue uh, because really, it's all coming from a false perspective in the first place. This idea that well, we've got this free market in banks and it's terrible. Uh, well, pretty much the banks are an extension of the federal government. I mean, they exist. We mentioned this earlier when uh, Jason was on the line, but the, the banks exist yeah. at the pleasure of the Federal Reserve System and the federal government. Of course, the Federal Reserve, while yeah. it is a separate entity from the government, was created at the behest of the, the government people for the purposes of basically printing money for the government. And so, I mean, the Federal Reserve is as private uh, as the post office is private, right? I mean, they're they're enmeshed directly with the federal government. And so all the banks are essentially – it is essentially a nationalized banking system just with the illusion of, uh, of real competition. It's, it's more fascist. Um, I mean, the banks uh, tell the government what to do as much as the government tells the banks what to do. And this is what the premise of – the idea here is is that well let's the, let the government control the monetary system and let the banks control banking and I get where they're coming from but the idea is is that the bankers have done a poor job with the monetary system I agree but that the politicians will do a better job with it and if if that's true it's only incrementally true the only way to have a good monetary system is to turn it over to the marketplace and let people decide what it how, what it is um that they want you know from their their money and that's what's going to work the best yeah that that's what i've agreed with right. but I, i've noticed that you know uh through history every time some you know uh there's some turmoil or something, you know, people start talking about gold again and bringing back gold back in and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, real quick, before I let you guys go, I, I was uh, listening to an interview from this guy named Eustace Mullins. He's uh, the last living protege of Ezra Pound. And he was the first one to write a book about the Federal Reserve. Uh, he changed the name a few times, but one of the names was the secret of the Federal Reserve. And he said, that the John John Burke Society, I think I'm yeah. not sure. It, that, yeah, yes. that they they hired G. Edward Griffin to play to write the creature from Jekyll Island, and Eustace Smullen said that it is an exact plagiarization of his book. But what he did at the end was say, "But what we need to do to save everything is go back to gold." Well, the problem with the the gold proposal, a lot of people are out there proposing the gold standard, and again. 
I think it'd probably be better than what uh, we currently have with the uh, inflation, the money supply, yeah. and all that. Right. Uh, but it's still a government-imposed standard. It's still right. the government coming from the top down saying, this is how it shall be. Right. Yeah, it's really, really yeah. best... Yeah. It's really best to just let currencies compete the same way Walmart and Kmart would, you know, and yes. whoever yeah, whoever I comes out on that. top is obviously, you know, the best. Well, there would be different uh, likely yeah, yeah, on you'll have options based on what I people mean, want, and it wouldn't necessarily be the banks. I mean, sometimes the banks might compete in that industry. There might actually be a company that was just a money supplier, like that oh, yeah. was their thing, uh, and, and that mm-hmm. it may not be gold. There might be something better than gold out yeah, there, exactly. and so the free market well, would allow exactly. that experimentation yeah. and innovation to occur. Though and, historically, gold. Gold and yeah, silver well, have worked really well. This is true. Yeah, I, I just uh, in, in that movie they they also explain uh, tally sticks and yes. stocks yep. and bonds. They they explain the whole thing how that started. Now, what was this? The but, Oz um, movie? It's just yeah, the secret of Oz. The secret of Oz. Uh, Bill Still, okay. the people who made uh, um, the Money Masters. But it's just I mean I agree with you guys, but it's just interesting about how how gold has been through the ages, and you wonder. You know, I wonder why has it always been gold, the, the main thing? You know, why isn't it not, I don't know, a special blade of grass? I don't well, know. Because you know, grass will wither away. Yeah, because gold is, is pretty. Yeah, I know, I know. It, it is, uh, it's an element. Cor- yeah, it, it's uh, you know, resistant to corrosion. It's useful. Uh, people want it yeah. for jewelry and Easily things like Easily divisible. That. Yeah. So it's always had value for, for as long as mankind has been around. But it's good to part. educate yourself on the subject, uh, Theft. I Absolutely. think it's a great idea. Hey, thanks for the call tonight, dude. I appreciate hearing from you. Yeah. And uh, more calls coming up here. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. This is Free Talk Live. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zimpax, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial in toll-free. 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian. And Luther. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features there. And they are for free, so you can enjoy things like our archives. If you've missed a moment of the show... You can just click and download. They're yours right on the front page or click into the podcast or the archive section and go all the way back to 2006 free at freetalklive.com. And take the startpage.com's seven-day challenge. For seven days, use startpage.com instead of your big brother search engine and experience the difference. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines, but unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search. You'll also have complete privacy if you use the proxy link that's beneath each search result when you use startpage.com. It's an incredible service offered to you completely free um, and allows you to, well, you know, keep from being tracked, spindled, watched, and, and mutilated by the... Uh, the other search engines out there. It's startpage.com. Let's continue with your phone calls and go to Eric in Washington. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Eric. Yeah, what you guys have touched upon is the subject of monetary policy, which is the most important subject that you could possibly be talking about. 
He who controls the money controls everything, right? Yeah, and I would suggest you uh, use the term slave market in your vocabulary what do you, when referring. What do you mean by that? Uh, when we are paying a third-party usury for the use of currency, we are basically slaves. Well, you're also uh, slaves. Uh, you're also a slave because there's a criminal gang that will take money from you, and uh, you know you don't really have much say in that. Yeah, um, what we're supposed to be giving ourselves credit because we you you need credit for your economy to be running at maximum velocity. Uh, so the question is: is do you pay a third party for? the use of that credit in the form of usury, or do we just simply give ourselves free credit? I don't understand your question. Can you explain that better? Um, yeah, it, it's in fact the most hard uh, subject to explain by uh, reason, uh, but uh, we can simply uh, give ourselves credit who is we? What are you talking about? Give yourself credit. What is that supposed to mean? Um, I I shouldn't have to go to a third party to borrow money to buy something from you. So okay. who are you going to borrow it from? Um, I'm just going to simply uh, borrow it from you. Well, you oh, can well, do are, that. There are companies uh, that have their own credit cards and things like that. Like when you go to... Um, Walmart, for instance, or Target, they offer you 10 per- You get 10% off this uh, transaction if you'll get our credit card. And they probably are contracting that out, but some of them have it in-house. And so you could then, in that case, they are fronting you the money to buy their own product with. Is that what you're talking about, that kind of thing? Um, similar. Uh, have, you, have you studied monetary policies much? Not really. I, I've done my Mark best. Has. Yeah. That, and, and, that, and by the way, I'd like to I'd like to um, take umbrage with your term usury. Usury is uh, is sort of an assessment. Someone can decide what is usury or what isn't for themselves. But you know, if it becomes usury over some arbitrary amount of right, basically, you know, somebody's alone. arbitrary amount as yeah. to what the interest rate is on a, on a particular loan. Well, um, usury is three percent usury or thirty percent usury. I would uh, use the term usury. In referring to anything that is not a dividend, as in um, something you get when you buy a stock and your company uh, is successful. I don't understand. Uh, you, Are you saying that a 3% loan is, is usury? Uh, it's, it's, it's usury if you're borrowing the money from somebody that didn't even have it in the first place. Oh, okay. Right. So what you're well, saying is – what you, the point you're making there is that the people that are giving out credit in this country are essentially creating debt. They're not really uh, giving you anything that's, uh, that's hard and firm. Like they're, they're incrementing numbers in a computer and they're allowed to do so by the, the banking system. Is that what you're getting at? Right, because people yeah. are brainwashed into allowing that to happen. Sure, sure. I see where you're coming from, and and that's uh, part and parcel to the the whole debt based system that we have here. I mean, the Federal Reserve notes uh, they they actually point out on them that the, you know a note is essentially a promise to pay. So, Federal Reserve note isn't anything but debt. It's evidence of debt uh, at the Federal Reserve that was created by the, the federal right. government, as I understand with, it. With- which creates a situation where you literally cannot pay back your debts. Have you ever well, heard that not, before? That, no, that, that's an inaccurate statement. If you're saying it's you, plural, 
everybody in America or everybody who uses dollars, y'all. that's a true statement, like, y'all. But if you're saying you can't pay back your debts, that's absolutely, I right. can pay back I my debts. I am paying back my yeah. debts. Right, but you have to capture uh, currency from somebody that can't pay back their debt. Uh, it's a lose-lose. I mean, beats debtors prison, lose. doesn't it? What's that? Does it beat debtors prison? Does it beat debtors prison? Well, I mean, that was the option prior to uh, you know this this time frame, right? They you know indentured servitude, that kind of thing. I'm not saying uh, that it's the only options. I'm just saying that look, you know, you're seeing an evolution in the system here. I agree that we need to evolve beyond this, but some of the terms that you are using scare me. Really? Yes. Uh, please elaborate. Okay. Usury, um, when you're talking about what you're talking about using the term usury for isn't what the sort of definition of it is. So um, that's that that, well, that concerns me. All right. Right. Because one one of the main concerns of the bankers is to redefine terms so that we literally cannot communicate with each other. You are redefining the terms, not the bankers. Usury means uh, somebody's arbitrary uh, you know, number that is too much as far as interest goes, um, not creating money out of thin air and then loaning that to somebody at, at an interest rate. Right. That's that's their definition. But what is the real definition? The I mean, real definition is of uh, usury. And it's it's like, you know, it's 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 a crime, essentially. The lending is, or practice of the lending money at an yeah, exorbitant if, if, interest rate. If, right. Exorbitant. If you don't if you if you create money on a, with a fractional reserve banking system, you can in other words, you can loan out ten thousand dollars if you only have a thousand dollars on deposit. Sure. You are committing a crime. Sure, I understand what you're saying. Look, we're all in agreement that the current monetary system is uh, is pretty crazy, and it benefits the people in power. Uh, so, what's you, what's your point here tonight? Uh, well, you need to think about uh, a new monetary policy. Um, I don't want a monetary policy. I just want freedom. I want the marketplace to be well, able to ha- decide. You have to have credit in order for the marketplace to function. Okay, so and that's another one for, um, that that uh, you know. First off. I agree. People are always going to – there's right. always going to be credit. Yeah, there's, if, there's still going to be – If Luther wants five bucks, I'm going to lend it to him. Right, if there's still going to be 50, reputation to, to build that on. I mean, it's not like that's going to go away. Well, the Are you question, saying there shouldn't be credit? No, he's saying there, there needs to be credit. There needs to be credit, but the question is, is do you go to a third party to get it, or do we just give it to ourselves? What kind of – talk is that i just don't understand i know it's, I'll, I'll hold it's you bizarre. i'll hold you over because i want to try to get an answer out of you that actually makes sense uh if i'll go to whoever gives me the best deal how about that 800-259-9231 let me shop around let the free marketplace operate uh, more with eric confusing here it's free talk live American patriots, would you like to spend a day or two with other freedom-loving Americans? Learn rifle marksmanship while hearing the real story behind the American Revolution? If you said yes, then the Appleseed program is for you. Part shooting school, part oral history lesson, Appleseed has trained thousands of Americans nationwide. And with hundreds of shoots scheduled this year, you can be sure there's one near you. For more information, go to AppleseedInfo.org. That's AppleseedInfo.org. Free 
Talk Live. You are invited to bring in whatever's on your mind. Just dial in toll-free. Take control of the airwaves, 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com and enjoy all the features on the site, including our wiki with over 2,000 pages created by listeners like you, wikiwiki.freetalklive.com. You can go and get interactive there. And like the rest of our website, it's totally free. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs. They even offer uh, great prices and service on used networking equipment such as Cisco routers and switches. They offer the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers. They're 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers. And uh, they're in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery at MemoryDealers.com. All right, so we're going to continue here with uh, what's a little bit of a confusing call for me. Uh, I'm trying my best to really understand where Eric is coming from in Washington. Now, some of the the basic concepts, uh, I think I, I agree with him on uh, the idea that you know the system is uh, is is screwed up and it definitely change is is needed. Uh, but I think my my agreement that might stop with you there because what you're saying, Eric, or what you were saying right before the break was that. Uh, that you don't think loans should be issued or credit should be issued through third parties and that we should create it for ourselves? Can you – did I get that right, Eric? Yes. Yes, you got it right. So what does that mean? So like, how does one create uh, credit for oneself? Um, well, we as a community uh, basically determine uh, – a credit limit for all the producers of our community. We as a community determine a credit limit for all of the producers. So yeah. you're talking about some sort of coercive government uh, cram down that you'd well, force see, on people? One of the problems is, is when you refer to our government, you're referring to private entities as it stands right now. We, okay. we don't have a government of the people. You're never going to have a government of the people. You're going to have a government of the people who are in charge. Yeah, I don't uh, want I've a government. I've got this question. So, you, so let's say you've got this cap that um, I'm allowed to have uh, as far as credit goes. And then, so I've got this credit. I'm, I'm, I'm at that limit. And then I go to Ian and I say, hey, man, I need $10,000 to make this deal happen. And then Ian decides that he'll loan that $10,000 to me at 10% interest. And I agree to that. What are you going to do about it? Uh, I'm going to say y- you don't need to borrow that $10,000 from Ian. You can who are borrow you it. to tell me who I should and shouldn't borrow money from? I'm just saying you, you could. No, you could. But I was at the cap. We as a community, you said, we're going to come up with limits for producers to borrow money, right? Uh-huh. And then what good is your limit if you don't have some kind of coercive force behind that limit? Um. And then you would uh, borrow what you want to borrow in excess of your limit. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, the question would, would be, what would you do to Mark for borrowing beyond the limit? Nothing. He, he's absolutely uh, free to borrow So what's the point of having who, a limit? Um, well, the, the limit is determined by how much you can pay back in your lifetime to... Uh, yeah, I mean, whatever you borrow, depending, I mean, you well, know, wait, we... Wait a minute. If I was going to borrow something and the lender didn't think I could pay it back in my lifetime, why would they lend it to me? They're going to... We as a community are going to lend you 
We uh, are much, going much. to lend. Wait, who? How did the community get the money? Uh, the same same way the Federal Reserve gets the money, except without Can't you usury. Get a thin air. Yes. So you're saying without, that you're you're saying that the local community, meaning the government, uh, is going to loan people money. Yes. Well, that sounds like a horrible idea. Why would I want to get a loan from the government? And that's why we can't change our monetary policy, because it's a horrible idea. So so just let's just let a third party rape us. You don't think the government's raping you? Yes, they're a private entity. Our government is a private entity. Oh, and what right do you now. propose to change that? The monetary policy. But your monetary no idea is uh, as it's, bad as the government's idea. It's only practically it's on a the smaller, same model. Yeah, it's, it's basically the same model on a smaller scale. And what no. I'm telling you will be superior is letting the marketplace decide. We, as a co- big community, can decide what we want to take as money. We so, can decide as, you as, know, as a big confu- community mm-hmm. or an in- as individuals what we will each individually take on as, uh, as debt, what we will charge for money that we lend, and what we will accept as payment in, uh, so, you know. So who's going who's gonna to lend the money? People with gold, vast quantities of gold stored up? Doesn't People necessarily that- have to be gold. I mean. Whatever's valuable. Yeah. Uh, whatever's labor carries wealth yeah take a so, look at the so you just don't changes. you don't believe in giving anybody credit that's what I mean, the hell are you talking no, about no i could I'm easily talking... i could easily if ian came to me and said hey man i need to borrow you know uh 40 bucks i could i could give him i, I could you know oh, yeah i'll give you that's the credit. credit i know you'll pay me back that's credit right there uh, so what part well, is confusing to you about this, Eric? I mean, the, what we're talking about here is a freedom where you allow the marketplace to work. You allow people to come to whoever they want to come to to get money for whatever purposes that uh, they can come to an agreement upon. And uh, the, you, you don't have a central control. Why all of the obsession with we this and community that and central uh, centralized control over the economy? Are you just a, a central planner at heart that's really just upset that you aren't in charge? Let, let me put it this way. Uh, let's say it's not $40. Let's say it's a lawnmower. Okay? And you got the lawnmower and your buddy's got a stereo. Um, You know, obviously you could barter that directly, right? Right, right. But if if you don't want a stereo, then if you had some currency to make the transaction – then that would that would enable that transaction, right? Right. right. But currency yes. doesn't mean that that currency is printed out of thin air and created out of nothing by a, a you know an arbitrary group of individuals. No, it's a, it's but it's a promise to pay. It's an IOU. Not necessarily. No, currency gold, isn't, no, gold no. and silver have been used as currency. Uh, seashells well, at one gold, point have been used as currency. They're not right. printed. They're not IOUs. They're not IOUs. Right. But if you don't have any gold and silver, then does that make it so you can't do any commerce? If you don't and, have any dollars, does that mean you can't do any commerce, Eric? No, you can go and you can go do to the things. next the next most valuable commodity. It's you've got just your time. You've got a your medium effort. of exchange, Eric. Eric, thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you tonight at 800-259-9231. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> it's driving me mad talking to that guy. I don't. I, I'm sounding like a jerk, and I, I was, don't want to sound right, like a jerk. I, I don't trying, want to be a jerk. I was trying to really understand what he was saying. What I heard from Eric 
was that he is a central planner, and he would not answer my question when I asked him that. He is one of the very, very many, many very uh, smart people that uh, believes they know best how things should work. And if you just put Eric in charge, we, if we, the community, would just put Eric in charge, then he could implement the perfect plan. It would be far better than the federal government system. Just put Eric in charge. Even though it would be exactly the same. Well, exactly the same, but Eric's in charge. Right. Uh, and it's on a smaller basis and da 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 da, da whatever right. the different parameters would and be. And he wouldn't enforce his gaps. And guess what? Or caps. Eric is not the only person who's got a brilliant plan for uh, how the economy should work. Or anything else. Uh, <laughs> Eric and uh, a bunch of other people out there who are thinking about this a lot, clearly, uh, and spending a lot of time on this, would love, uh, these people would love to get in charge of the economy and the money system and things like that. And I don't want any of that. I don't want any of your plans. I want them all. I want everybody's plan to be able to be tried in the marketplace and find out which ones work without having one group of people with guns force one of them down my throat. Yeah, and then let me decide. Right. The only reason that the Federal Reserve works with fiat currency is because uh, the, the Treasury... Legal tender. What's that? It's legal tender. It's well, it's, it's, it's not it. even that. It would, still wouldn't work as legal tender because you can look at all kinds of nations that their monetary system go bloom. The reason it works is because the Treasury orders up these uh, Federal Reserve notes, and the Treasury is attached to the United States government, and they will send people with guns to your house to throw you in jail if you don't give them a certain amount of money. They are an organization of force. If you want your fiat currency to work, I guess tally sticks accepted. You have to use violence against people. There's more coming up here. 800-259-9231. Only moments remain. Enough time for your calls if you make them now. It's Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Luther. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com where we give you the features for free. So enjoy those. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. You get your shopping done Get it delivered to your door and probably get exactly what you're looking for at a great price. Plus, you can even buy used if you need to save a few extra bucks or go brand new and get yourself free Super Saver shipping on uh, orders over $25. And the free Super Saver shipping applies to a whole bunch of their items. Not all of their new items, but um, seems like most of them. Head over to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Get your shopping done and benefit Free Talk Live because when you enter through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of the purchase. So, Luther... The Free State Project, we all moved up uh, here because of it. What was it to you that was most uh, interesting, uh, enticing about moving to New Hampshire for the Mm. Free State Project? Uh, Being around other uh, like-minded individuals. And that's worked out, huh? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've made so many connections, and uh, it's easy to connect with people up here, I feel. I mean... uh, I, I meet people left and right all the time, every every week it seems, and uh, especially at Porkfest. I met so many great people, and uh, I'm just uh, developing great friendships, uh, hopefully some future uh, business relationships. I mean, it's 
it's and not to mention that it's just so lovely up here it is so it sounds um, like you're glad you moved then oh yeah um and actually right now i'm living outside of Keene. i have a, a beautiful view of uh, uh i can see the mountains of vermont i see lake spofford i see the sunset it's it's great and i'm sad to see it go but i'm uh, gonna be in in town so meaning you're you're, you're moving into Keene. you're yep. sad to see the view go oh yeah gotcha. yeah so, uh, so yeah, you can go and learn more about the Free State Project and why you should make the move up here. They've got over 101 reasons to move at uh, 101 reasons to move to New Hampshire at the Free State Project's website. I highly recommend you take a look at those there because I found them very persuasive when I was considering uh, joining the Free State Project or when I was considering moving to New Hampshire. I, I thought those were very good. Go to freestateproject.org to learn more and to get on board because the sooner you can get here, the sooner we can have more freedom. I mean, it's just numbers. It really is just about the numbers and getting people here and getting them together and creating relationships and uh, and getting active. And when you've got a bunch of people, you can do activism that was impossible before. So come join the fun, freestateproject.org, as we continue here. So I promised you we'd tell you about the police captain and the 10-year-old boy. What was their interaction like? I mean, you would think that with a with a, a 10-year-old boy, those I know kids growing up earlier these days or maturing earlier. I know that tends to be the case, but ten year old boy is still a pretty small little thing, right? I mean right, right. ten year old kids aren't aren't really mature. They're maybe still the very very maybe at the earliest levels of puberty in in some cases. But let me explain to you what happened here from William Grigg at LouRockwell.com. Former Martin. <laughs> this isn't going to be a very kind article to the uh, police chief or nope. police captain or whatever he is. Former Martinsville, Indiana police captain William Jennings, a jowly adult male of expansive carriage, means he's fat, <laughs> assaulted a 10-year-old 94-pound boy last March 30th at Tender Teddy's daycare. The police, you see, had been summoned by the manager to deal with the unruly boy who quite understandably <laughs> put up what a struggle he could when the armed strangers placed their hands on him. The child began kicking as the police tried to restrain him, in the words of the local news account. Eventually, the child calmed down, but Jennings decided to administer a little street justice by slapping him in the face. Oh, boy. His partner, Officer Darren Johnson, then reacted to this outburst of gratuitous violence by administering the stun gun to the 10-year-old victim. <laughs> so the kids calm down, they slap him in the face, and then, then and zap then him. And him. Yep. Wow. According to uh, Johnson, now this is the other, this is not the captain, this is just the officer. Uh, he says, I told my captain after we left I didn't want to tase that 10-year-old child. He told the disciplinary hearing. He said, it's not something I expected doing until the point my super, uh, superior officer took the action that he did. I felt the situation was out of control, and I'm sorry it had to come to that. Now, Johnson, significantly, is the one who actually testified that the child had already calmed down prior to Jennings' assault and his own decision to employ his portable electroshock torture device. According to his family, Jennings, uh, the captain, is good with children and has never been violent. That is, until he was swaddled in a government-issued costume and clothed in the supposed, supposed authority to use potentially lethal force against any mundane, even a 10-year-old child, who displays anything other than reflexive submission to the uh, sanctified sanctified agents of government coercion. Jennings compounded his aggravated assault on a child with perjury by ne uh, neglecting to mention the slapping incident in his official report. Johnson's act was nothing more, or excuse me, nothing less than felonious assault on a child with a deadly weapon. And predictably, both have been cleared of any criminal wrongdoing. You see, it's entirely legal to slap a 10-year-old boy across the face uh, if they've been unruly if you're a police officer. 
even once they've uh, calmed down. And it's entirely legal to employ a taser on a 10-year-old boy. I can't imagine what would have happened if this was a school administrator, teacher, uh, daycare worker, mm-hmm. I mean, a especially a daycare worker, or a babysitter. You know, right. I mean, right. somebody in the private market. It's one thing if you, you know, the uh, government bureaucrats are going to be protected to some extent. Yeah, they extent. got their unions and, and their their sovereign immunity and their qualified immunity and all that stuff. But if you're talking about the uh, what was it, Tender Teddy's daycare? Um, That's right. If if uh, one of the workers there at Tender Teddy's daycare would have uh, slapped this kid and then hit him with their, you know, their private taser, people can get these. Sure. After they'd calmed down. My God, what the that would have been like. Yeah. Uh, so Jennings, by the way, was forced to resign, which is a little unusual. Making him a gypsy cop will probably find employment in the same field elsewhere without much difficulty, because that's what happens to these guys. I mean, he was cleared of any wrongdoing, but forced to resign at the same time. So he'll likely get picked up by another police department. He'd probably be put on some terrible list if he was a private citizen and, you know, masqueraded as Child a... abuse. I yeah, mean, come yeah, on. Exactly. That's pretty serious. Uh, Johnson faces a 45-day unpaid suspension and two years professional probation, which means he'll be back on the job in a month and a half when he should be headed for prison. But the stories don't end there, according to William Grigg. And by the way, this uh, story brought to you by copblock.org. Actually, you know, well, we might hold that here for, uh, for tomorrow night. It's about an 80-year-old man and a police officer. Uh, but first, uh, we'll go to your phone calls here. An unscreened caller is on the amp lines. Hello there. Hey, guys. It's Alex in New Jersey. Alex, what's on your mind tonight? I'm, not a, I'm a lifeguard at a pool in the, in the town that I live in, and uh, we just had an incident with a 9-year-old, and I was hearing you read that story about the incident with the cop and the 10-year-old. Uh, these two 9-year-olds were fighting at the pool, and they were, they were getting serious with each other, like they were going to start throwing punches. And uh, we had to take the one kid, we had to lift him up under his shoulders, we had to physically walk him out of the pool area. Um, and then, of course, the, the kid's brother was getting taunted by this other instigator, and then they started punching each other, and then I had to come in and grab the other kid. Uh, I was happy that we didn't have to call the police, because I can only imagine what they would have done. But, uh, you know, it's it's really tough to try and uh, to, to do, to physically restrain these kids, because you don't want to necessarily do that but at the same time you want to pull you want to make sure that they're not punching each other mm-hmm. at your pool so we have to walk a very very fine line between restraining them and letting them go you, you know what i mean it, it's yeah. very difficult to to do that and keep a very a good balance it's got to be so. a challenge especially because you you can't employ the methods uh that the, like, that the police do with, imp- uh, and, with and the problem is too if you go and you you do something too hard to the kid, his older brother will come and then he'll get in your face and you're likely going to get shot because these people, they all have friends that they can call. And especially we have, we, we had a problem with a bunch of guys doing graffiti on the table and uh, we, we tried to tell them to leave, but they would just give us back talk and attitude. And what are we going to do? We, we, you know, these kids are now, the, the other kids that were doing the, the graffiti, they're 16, you know, around that age. We're not, we can't physically lift them and throw them out of the park. What are we going to do? We have, like, you have to I, rely I on the police, call the cops. That's yeah, all you can do. W- w- there's nothing else we can do, but I don't want to do that. Sure. It's, it's a 
such a shame. Well, I under- what do you think I could do? I understand, but uh, you know, we're we're living. It's I. There's a there's problems with calling the police. There absolutely are. But you're, we're living in a world where uh, the government has the monopoly pr- pr- privilege on the use yeah. of force. If you were to use whatever force was necessary in order to um, extricate these kids and be able to do that, for one, if you were able to do that, they wouldn't be giving you back talk and refusing to leave. But um, if you were to do it, you would have to do something that was, you know, <laughs> it was it'd be pretty tough, and they'd come after you either in a legal or um, in a real world sense. That would be it would be very unpleasant. Yeah, I'm with you, Alex. I uh, I, ref- I refuse to call the police as often as I possibly could. But if I were in a situation where there were no other other option, you know, no other options. Uh, you know, I am paying them for a service. Uh, hopefully, they would yeah. come and use their force judiciously. If you had like Wackenhut security or something at your uh, your your pool, you could call you them. Could call the security guards or something like that. I mean, that's what they're for, right? Hey, thanks, Alex, for the call. I appreciate it. And tonight, it has been Ian with you and Luther and Mark. And we will be back tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. And we'll see you then. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet! And get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.